Hello and welcome to Affable Chat. My name is Benjamin and this is my co-host Joey. Hello, how's it going? And I'm very excited to announce that we have a special guest today. It is my brother, Gabriel. Gabriel, welcome to Affable Chat. Hi, thanks for having me. I mean, <clears throat> hi, thanks for having me. <laughs> excited to be here. Um, a little bit about myself. I am Benjamin's brother, and it's been a while, but I've been wanting to get on a podcast, so this is a dream come true. Uh, thanks for having me. Well, that's what we do here. Fulfill dreams. <laughs> <laughs> and um, we're so excited to have Gabriel here because today we're talking about Predator. One ugly motherfucker. <laughs> This is an American muscly man sci-fi action slasher thriller. Directed by John McTiernan. The cast includes Harry Henderson, Dr. Victor Freeze, Apollo Creed, Cook the Green Beret, Captain Freedom, and Pruneface. I watched this movie on YouTube. Joey, how did you watch it? I also bought it on YouTube and watched it there. Gabriel, how did you watch it? I own this on Blu-ray and watch it on my Xbox One S. Wow. Wow. The, a, man, a modern man That's watching right. it on Blu-ray. Having the classics on hand. That's right. I don't think That's... you can get the quality on streaming like you can with a Blu-ray disc. So the playback, I think, was, it was pleasurable to have that. You definitely have to struggle through the UI experience of the various streaming services. So, Well, YouTube has one of the best ones. Definitely. So I don't I, complain about that one. I, I rec I realized that basically all the different streaming services had this movie for like the same price as far as renting goes. And I was like, okay, YouTube obviously is the best one to watch on. So that's what I went yeah. with. And um, we will, before we begin our discussion on Predator, we will recap the events in our synopsis written by Joey. Joey, take it away. Dutch, played by Arnold Schwarzenegger, is the built leader of an elite team of super buff military personnel who is tasked with rescuing a foreign cabinet minister in Central America. They get this mission from Dylan, a shady but very strong CIA operative played by Carl Weathers. The very muscly crew flies into the jungle in helicopters and soon discovers something truly disturbing. Three green berets strung up and skinned. This spooks them, but it doesn't deter them from their mission. Soon, they find a secret jungle compound with local guerrilla troops, as well as Soviet intelligence officers. Big Dutch and the swole boys blow them all to hell. The only survivor is a young guerrilla woman named Anna, who they capture and bring with them. In order to leave the jungle, they need to make it to a rendezvous point several miles from where they are. The toned crew trape through the jungle carefully. Beefy Billy, their best tracker, notices something weird in the trees, but cannot identify it. Soon after, one of the bicep boys is picked off by something mysterious in the jungle. As they investigate, another of them is blasted to death. The whole burly group heroically shoot blindly into the thick of trees, but come up with nothing. A ripped Dutch organizes the construction of a big net made from jungle vines. At first, they catch nothing, but once shredded Dutch exposes himself, the trap is activated and they catch the thing that was hunting them. However, after thrashing a bit, it escapes easily. 
The whole well-built group catches a brief glimpse of it before it turns invisible and disappears. Barrel-chested Dylan and another muscle-bound <laughs> <laughs> Dylan and another muscle-bound member of the team go after it, but both are easily killed. Pumped-up Dutch and his remaining super-fit crew run for their lives. Brawny Billy stays behind to make a final stand with Machete, and the well-defined Dutch gets separated from Anna and his last Jack team member. The thing follows a sinewy Dutch into the woods and over a cliff into a river. Dutch, covered in cold river mud, but still very strong, realizes that the predator is hunting him based on his Herculean body temperature. He devises a plan. Solid Dutch and the predator face off in an epic 1v1 PvP combat. The predator, recognizing Dutch as the biggest big, big boy, removes his helmet, revealing that he is in fact a very monstrous alien. Well-built Dutch bests him in a combination of clever planning and quick thinking. But just when he thinks he's safe, the Predator starts to laugh maniacally and then blows himself up. Powerful Dutch survives and makes it to the rendezvous point to find he, Anna, and his last team member all made it out alive. The end. There you have it. The events of Predator very powerfully uh, synthesized by Joey. So thank you for that, Joey. And uh, we'll begin our conversation with our pros and our cons. Gabriel, what did you like about Predator? Yeah, um, well, I, I still think this movie is worth your time. Uh, it's it's pretty old. It's over 30 years old, but it's definitely worth your time to, to sit down and watch. The story's pacing is slow enough to tell us a compelling story while building, excuse me, building on dramatic events. The eventual climax and character exploration made it fun and kept me always rooting for Dutch. I feel like it ranks up there with one of the quintessential 80s action movies, and people remember or know about it even having not even seen the film. Um, you know, it's a go-to for me, and this film is, uh, is always something I can think about when I, when I hear Arnold Schwarzenegger quotes and when I want to go get an Arnold Schwarzenegger seasoning I uh, will jump to this movie. Um, I also like the Predator antagonist, as it truly felt that defeating him would be a monumental task. Uh, also, he was equipped with futuristic technology, yet seemed humanoid, so we could relate to uh, this figure or this this beast, um, even though it was outside of the you know out of this world. Right. He didn't seem so alien that we couldn't kill him. You know. Right. He's like he's still got some sort of I don't know, some, something mortal about him. Right. Yeah, I, um, this is a classic action movie. Um, it feels like classic action. It's a really simple and tense story. I think Arnold does a really good job carrying this movie. Um, he's not just like quick-witted, but he's also like very serious the whole time. I was thinking about how this whole time I'm thinking like there's no one quite like Arnold today that we have right like i'm thinking like the rock sort of fills that category where he's like he's a movie star he, he does all these movies and stuff but the rock is always kind of silly he's always kind of doing something that's a little bit like there's two edges to it like i'm thinking jumanji where he's like playing a kid in the rock's body or like he's like a security guard but like he's got a heart of gold he's like very like um you know, he's always got this kind of silly side to him where Arnold in this movie, especially is 
serious the whole time. He's, he's very about the business. He's very straight-laced. He knows exactly what to do. Even though the whole thing is so crazy and just gets crazier and crazier as it goes along, he's always kind of that root and it like keeps you there. Um, and sure, he's going. He's got his quips and everything, but it only kind of serves to make him seem more likable, more so than it makes him seem like outside of the movie. Um, I, I think that's amazing to pull that off, especially since like he's more than a movie star at like not at this point, but now, right? He's more. He's like a. He's such a meme. To have him fall into that role of Dutch and actually not just be Arnold Schwarzenegger in a in the jungle, but actually be Dutch is impressive. Um, so and that, that was something I really liked about it. I think that really helped me with this movie. Um, it's also just kind of weird, but it wears that weird, like weirdness. Well, it's tone is so consistent, right? It's like, okay, we're getting into there. Something weird's going on. And even though they twist the story halfway through and you realize that it's not actually what they said it was going to be, it still feels very tense and it feels very like, very much like how are they going to get out of this? What's going to happen? I don't know where, where this is going. Um, and, uh, yeah. And a, a big part of that is definitely the predator the predator. He's a formidable opponent and he's more than just like the movie creature. He like leaps off the screen. He's so, he's so imaginative that they were able to make two sequels to this plus the alien predator movies, right? He's like an iconic movie monster. And, um, he, it's amazing seeing him slowly revealed. And then when you still, when you finally see his face, you realize that he is truly an alien. It's just awful. It's like, Oh my gosh, this guy's terrifying looking. Um, it's something that you never forget. I remember when I saw this movie, like on TV and seeing the predator take his mask off and be like, Oh my gosh, he's even <laughs> uglier than I thought he was. Like, it's incredible. Um, yeah, I, I think, uh, it, it doesn't overshadow the movie though. It's, it, he's, they use it the predator enough to make it, weird but build you to the point where you're like ready for something weird like that to happen and when it does happen it doesn't take you out of it yeah i i echo a lot of what you guys have said arnold is a star as dutch he really carries this movie and um it, it you you're rooting for him the whole time and honestly like his superhuman physique makes him a compelling like uh matchup for the predator yes. because it doesn't really i mean him and some of the guys in his squad just look unbelievably ripped. I know we're doing a bit in the synopsis, but it's for good reason. These guys are like looking shredded throughout this movie. Like and I was ta- I was just pausing multiple times throughout the movie just to admire the glistening biceps and 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 trapezius muscles and everything you could see from these guys as they also like slowly lost garments of clothing as the action got more intense throughout the movie yes. just oh my gosh the the physique i guess that's a pro in its own is the absolute physiques we got uh, on display here um but talking about the movie more generally it's good action that doesn't get too bogged down by the details. We don't need to know. It's like, I'm Galaxis from the Predator's planet. And here's the reason why we need to send the Predator down to Earth. You know, like, it's right. The, and also the b- political conflict that actually pulls Arnold into here. Like, wh- what did they call the um, the actual, the cabinet minister? <laughs> He's like, does he always travel on the wrong side of the border? Like, we don't even need to know what border it is. It's just, no. it's just some sort of like international conflict that the military's involved in and that's fine it doesn't have to get any deeper than that so i actually think while and i'll talk a little bit about that in the cons like th- this can be a bad thing to be too simple but i think this movie does a good job of being pretty straightforward 
and um, and not getting bogged down in the details and letting us just enjoy that the great action that they have for us. There's a little bit of interesting character development, and I liked what we got. Uh, I thought that Mac and Dylan had something going for them that actually made them more than just beefed out dudes who are on Arnold's team. And I enjoyed kind of the humanity we got out of those two guys, made me care about them enough that I was like a little upset that they died, which can't be said for every character. And finally, I'll just echo what you guys said. The Predator is awesome. He looks cool. He's ugly as hell. I love the way his <laughs> mouth moves. I thought all of that worked really well and still looks scary even 30 years later. So um, those are the things that I liked. Let's move on to our cons. Gabriel, what did you not like about Predator? Uh, yeah, I think m- most of my cons are going to center around the the macho men themselves. Um, in my opinion, uh, some of it seemed forced, uh, especially in Hawkins, you know, his jokes, you know, he just had really, he had two bad ones that seemed forced. Yeah, okay, so, no, it was really forced. The thing about that, so Hawkins is played by Shane Black, who is famous for writing, making his, like, henchmen and his goons have, like, flavor and character to them. He directed Iron Man 3, um he also he's like he's famous for doing all of these like like kind of interesting like uh movies and it's interesting they had him in this movie because he didn't even they actually brought him in for like writing like to help them write the script and he didn't want to he just wanted to act <laughs> and, then, and then he was like making these jokes on on set and john McTiernan's like no we gotta keep that in that's perfect that's perfect that's exactly what we need to do oh the the nice guys kiss kiss bang bang i love that movie um there's a, he was like yeah he Last Lethal Weapon, he did all these like, like very famous like character based movies. Um, so it's it's uh, that like joke thing is sort of just like it's funny because it's Shane Black, which doesn't make any sense if you don't know who Shane Black is. And when this movie came out, Shane Black wasn't a like super famous director, so it's kind of it's just weird, <laughs> I guess. So yeah, I agree. It doesn't it doesn't work? But like I understand why they did it. I guess. Yeah, yeah, and I could I could see that too, Joey. And then again with my cons here, it's. It is an action movie, so it already comes with the baggage that is an action movie, and I'm sure we're going to get into more details about that. But you know, uh, for me, you know, the, the the Macho Man tropes come out in this. Uh, oh yeah, you know, you have the the untimely demises of your characters too, and and and, and to your point, and Benjamin had mentioned, you know, that he was attached to a little bit to you know Mac um, and, and a couple of the characters, but for the most part, you know, half the team was just, you know, just wrecked and then it's it just gone. And, and you know, I, I feel like for me to be attached to those characters a little bit more, I think I needed a little more backstory for them so I can get an understanding. I mean, there's, there's almost like, it's like half the team is extremely buff and the other half of the team is kind of like your general, you know, soldier. And, and in this case, they're commandos, which I think is also funny that, the previous movie the director did was Commando with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Right. <laughs> and also involves some of the actors from that movie, and they're all like commandos in this movie, too. So it's like, okay, it's we Commando, get it, yeah. too. Predator. Yeah. yeah. Which is, I mean, just to tie this, because I love to reference small soldiers, this reminded me also of the Commando elite from small soldiers, because they're also these muscle bound meatheads who are military or like 
military adjacent and also specialize where this guy's the radio guy this guy's the like heavy machine gunner this guy's the tracker like he's he's the best at tracking like that was all i don't know it like really fit this kind of i don't know if it existed yet really because i wasn't alive back then it's it's more difficult to put it in context to see who did it first or who's just following the mold of like the commando military squad yeah, well, they just rest in those cliches, right? They don't take those cliches and build on them to make them into characters, really. That's what that's what you're saying, right, Gabriel? It's yeah. like they're just kind of they're just kind of one dimensional, especially the ones that get killed off. And what you're saying about like macho men characteristics, gosh, it bothers me so much how Billy got killed. Billy was one of the ones that was actually developed, sort of well, right? He's like, okay, he has this specific set of skills. He can sense the predator before it happens, before he before he shows up, and then he just like. Pulls out his machete and is like, I'm going to die here for no reason. Yeah. Like, he could have just kept running, you know? <laughs> yeah, he's like, I'm going to take it upon myself to be, you know, a, a guard here. I'll give you guys some time. Maybe, maybe you know, unspokenly. That was done. not clear if yeah. that, that he was giving, like, buying them time. He yeah. just seemed like he was tired of running. Yeah, he's like, okay, I'm going to take predator. this in my own hands. Yeah, again, he didn't, you know, make things clear. And here he just, you know, cut himself. We're like, okay, nice. We're going to see him, you know. I maybe. understand that this thing we can't see operates under, like, uh, traditional combat rules yeah. where like if I throw away my guns he'll fa- face me in hand-to-hand mm-hmm. combat with with his own sword right that Billy somehow understands that even though that's not at all <laughs> established <laughs> or what happens yeah <laughs> Well, if that does get established better, let us see them fighting hand-to-hand fair. Yes. Like, show us Billy going up against him and Billy, like, accepting his fate when he's bested by the Predator. Yeah. He's like, you know, and then then he dies, but it's like Billy went out, like, on his own terms and the Predator respected that. And maybe that can give us something to respect about the Predator because they're clearly trying to establish that. They're, tr- they're clearly trying to get across this idea that the Predator has its own, like, rules and morals and uh, beliefs about how it should go about this hunt. And Billy, whether it's justified or not, understands that it has those beliefs. But then he just ah, dies off, yeah, off that's it. screen. He's going to scream from him. Yeah. And then, you know, he gets the reward of getting his spine ripped out of his back. He becomes which a trophy. A, which is a crazy effect. But yeah, 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 yeah. You know, it's, it's it. That's it. There's nothing more to that. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I think really not to, I mean, if, let's go back to, you know, when when Mac loses Blaine, and then, I don't know if you guys want to talk, you know, talk about that relationship that's within, yeah, what's, yeah, what's in ahead. there. Um, but once Blaine is gone, you know, he gets. I think he gets a cool death, and we'll we'll talk about this later on when we talk about you know how some of the deaths that happen. But uh, he's gone. He was really macho. It was really cool to see him, and then him spitting too. Like I mean, he had his own character. <laughs> You know, style that was different from the rest, but then he had a cowboy hat on. Yeah, he had a cowboy hat. I mean, he loved you know, the boonie hat. Yeah, he had dip was spitting, and he you know he spit on Carl Weathers' shoes. <laughs> Dylan at the beginning, or when they're on the helicopter. Um, but like, and I, I kind of, and that's something I also didn't like too. Is part of the character development at the beginning, we get that um, kind of intimate look inside the chapa, and yeah. it's you know the mood lighting that happens where it's red, and we kind of get the panning of all the characters and then, you know, some exchanges between the two. Um, at that point, I think that could have been a really good part to maybe reference historical, you know, uh, experiences and maybe show some footage of that. Right. You know? Absolutely. You guys feel that no, way? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Can- There's, no, that's the thing. It's like, you don't, I don't, I think the movie moves to the jungle well, like perfectly, right? You spend a little bit of time saying, here's kind of the situation, but it's not long. It's like five or 10 minutes. They're suddenly, the credits are still playing. 
you know, the music's going up. They go to the jungle, right? We're, we're, we're here where we're going to be for the rest of the movie in, in this setting. But there's no reason why there can't be scenes while they're walking through the jungle or in the helicopter or anywhere else to establish them as characters more, right? Part of it is like, oh, they're macho men, so they don't express their feelings. But like, it's a movie, right? Like you, you play up some like little things to kind of give each person characteristics. Maybe it's like little habits like spitting or something. Maybe it's just cute interactions between these, these characters, right? Not, they establish well that they know each other and they work well together, but they don't establish well who they are as individuals. Yeah. And you're right. That matters more when they die. Because they care more when the people you like die. Yeah, and, and I think that uh, Mac is a great example of this because to me, Mac became way more interesting once Blaine was dead. I didn't really Definitely. get the feeling that Blaine and Mac were that much closer to each other than anybody else was before Blaine dies. They have like their little, there's like that moment in the jungle where they're sitting there and they're like, you got to be careful. Like you might lose your mind out in a jungle like this. Like I've never seen like a thick jungle like this, but literally any two dudes could have had the exchange they have there, you know, <laughs> where they're just like, dang, this jungle is thick, huh? Yeah, it really is. That's not like getting across to me that they have some sort of like deeper connection than anyone else in the group has to each other. But after Blaine dies, it's very clear that Mac has, is the one who took the biggest loss there. And yeah. be, that the, the extent that he shows uh, his emotions after that is why he's a compelling character. And I wish they had earned that more. I still think they pull it off, but I wish that they had set him up more along with these other characters so that Mac is interesting for being Mac, not just for the fact that Blaine died and Mac's the most upset about it. So it's, it, again, going over, just revolving around what we're saying here is just these characters only go so deep and then well, you can only the be that like, interested. That's what you want to do. Mm -hmm. is you want to do two things at once, right? You want to move the plot forward, but also establish your characters more. And when you have all these moments of just pure tension, right, that's an opportunity for you to do those two things at the same time, right? Is to have like characters like consulting with each other, you know, making eye contact, real subtle things, right? But you can, you can accentuate them with the camera. So when you're, when they have all these moments where you're like not sure what's going to happen and like you're leaving things kind of still and everything, you can still at the same time bring character like more character into that um and, and all that does is make your characters feel more human which then means more when they die yeah i um i i don't like the way the predator dies i think it's kind of lame like i mean he's he's built up as like this ultimate enemy right and then the, and then at the end arnold just like basically drops a log on him and like <laughs> gets gets punched a bunch like the, he, it's not like you know what you want to see is you want to see the predator at his full might against Arnold at his full might, right? You know, like all their resources at the at each other's available, ultimate time to prepare to prepare or whatever, right? You want all like you want everybody at the peak. So when they clash, like it's actually like you know who's better. In this situation, Arnold clearly gets lucky, but also like it's not really clear that the predator's trying at the hardest he could. It seems like he's limited himself a lot, so it kind of cuts down on the epicness of of. Uh, Arnold's eventual like um, uh, conquering or victory. Um, also, like it bothered me that it wasn't really clear to me if he was like very clever or if he was just really stupid. You know, because like he can't see very well. That's pretty clear. <laughs> like he's got these like uh, you know this vision, and even when he takes the helmet off, it's still like kind of like w like weirdly twisted. And Arnold's like sort of just a shape in front of him, but. Um, he's like kind of stumbling through the jungle and like he like 
he notices that Arnold has that trap set for him, but like only at the very last minute. So like, is he super clever? Is he like a like a very thoughtful, methodical um, hunter, or is he just like this you know mindless beast? Um, I mean, he can't really speak either. He kind of like you know, just kind of roars. Like. Well, he got a also, he got a little bit of speaking in there at the end. Yeah, but it's I think that was pretty clear. It was pretty clear to me that he was mimicking their speech. That he was picking up on what other people were doing and then playing it back. Um, I don't think the special effects look that great. <laughs> There's a one moment in particular where the where you see, first see the predator in camouflage and he comes out like of the jungle. It's like maybe half a second, but it looks terrible. It's just like it's like so choppy. Oh my gosh, <laughs> um, it looks terrible. Um, and then like. Uh, yeah, like we said earlier, there's totally dumb choices from our main characters, like from Billy and, you know, even from Mac and Dylan, where they just go, like, they just say, we're going to chase them into the woods. It's like, well, how do you think this is going to end? You know, <laughs> you have no plan. Um, and then, of course, the thing that bothers me the most is that you can't tell what's happening in the climax. You're so disoriented but because you're switching between predator vision, which is very poor, and Arnold is kind of like swinging around. It's obviously supposed to be disorienting, but you don't get a clear idea of who's winning the fight exactly. You don't really get an idea of where they are, like whether they're close to where Arnold's laid the trap or not, or if they're somewhere really far away. Um, you know, it, it, there's not a good idea of like your surroundings or like the, or anything. So I feel like there's a... You know, a lot of the action is dulled because you're just kind of watching a slideshow instead of like a well choreographed action scene. There you go. What about you, Benjamin? I mean, I definitely agree with a lot of that stuff, especially with the way that the predator dies. And I kind of want to get into a little bit more detail with that later. Uh, I agree. The special effects have not aged well for the most part. Some of the traditional just gunfire explosion stuff still looks great, but the predator camouflage is ridiculously bad now and it's just it's unfortunate but i'm sure it was really interesting at the time it's just special effects like that do not always age very well i do think there's a lot of boring in between sequences of walking through the jungle that just are boring and i think you can't have non-stop action the whole time you have to build some tension but there's some good tension building and then there's just some boring shots of the jungle and guys walking around slowly and uh for a movie that is lacking in depth i think that that is all wasted time because mm. uh my other con and this is kind of the other side of the coin with the simplicity of this film there's it's very surface level and there's it didn't really give me all that much to think about after i finished i was like that was fun and but I, you know predator isn't exactly influencing my thoughts my worldview um which is fine and not every movie has to do that but it's also going to limit what your movie is capable of doing for your audience um and then uh, also not everybody can land cheesy macho man lines like arnold i felt like there was like it's interesting the way you put it joey was that arnold is kind of exists in this world on his own where he's able to deliver these lines that honestly still are hilarious but he does them in total sincerity and seriousness and it comes across as just badass even if it's so over the top versus some yes. of the things these other guys say like i didn't buy it even though it's jesse ventura like when he's like i ain't got time to bleed i was like this guy is out of it like is, is completely unhinged and uh <laughs> ridiculous as opposed yeah. it, like it was kind of badass it's a badass line but I, not everybody can be arnold schwarzenegger in those uh and and I, I wasn't sure if these guys like lived up to that same expectation 
No, it's reason. There's a reason why Arnold's the movie star. Honestly, yeah. uh, the rest of them are are all uh, there to support him. Yeah, and I mean the other guy who was with him even like laughs at that too. He's like, "Well, do you have time to duck because I'm about to blow this guy up?" <laughs> right, which undercuts his whole quip <laughs> yeah. for sure. But okay, those are our pros and our cons. Let's move forward to our overall section, and we've got some questions for you, Gabriel. Okay, so Gabriel. You wanted to come on this podcast. You could have picked any movie. We've, we've done lots of movies. Not every movie, though. So why did you pick Predator? Why is this one the one that we should talk about? Yeah. So uh, first of all, I actually hadn't seen the movie till in, in its entirety till last year. I no- noticed okay. that it came across uh, HBO Max, and um, I had a Saturday free, Saturday night. So I said, hey, why not watch this and actually understand it? I know there's quotes from here that I love. Yeah. I haven't really seen it and it's, it's entire, an iconic like movie and I felt yeah. the same way I hadn't seen it until this podcast and I, but I was like I have to see it I mean it's it's Predator who, who hasn't heard of Predator like I already knew basically what this movie was without even seeing it because it's so iconic yeah, yeah. like like, he, like Gabriel said in his prose right there's like cultural osmosis for this movie like more though more so than almost a lot of other action movies from this era um, get to the chopper Everyone knows the Predator with his like three dots and like he's invisible and like the way his, his iconic suit and everything. You know, even if you've just seen the covers of some of these other movies, right? You know what he looks like. You can picture what he looks like. You got the dreads and stuff. Um, yeah, I uh, I totally agree. Like it's it it exists outside of itself at this point. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. Like a, I, I actually yeah. was driving home. Um, from Sacramento uh, a couple weeks ago, and I saw not one but two guys on motorcycles with Predator helmets on, with wow. the dreads oh my and the Predator front. So I mean, it's still to this day, you know, relevant, and it looks cool. It looks. I mean, those guys don't have. You were like, wait, those guys do? Those guys have dreads, but no, they just. It's part of the the helmet that gets that's, with the aesthetic. That's of, so funny because Kevin Peter Hall could not see out of that helmet. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> He had to he had to memorize his court like where to go so he wouldn't run into trees and stuff. <laughs> That'd be hilarious to see. Yeah, that's it, I mean, ultimately, I think in my opinion that this is one of the quintessential 80s action uh films and again being as it still holds up for the most part. I mean, we can always I mean, you know, not to go back in the cons here, but yes, the uh you know, special effects, obviously, it's it's dated. It's that's always going to be the case. I try not to like fault movies for that because like they're only working with what they got at the time. Um, unless you're Star Wars and you can re-release them and and update the graphics. You know, and, and <laughs> I that's, know, my, yeah, or I, yeah, arguably make them worse. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> I, yeah, and I, I, you know, that's. Sometimes it's worse than others, but for the most part, I try to credit movies that hold up, and then the movies that fall apart. It's like it, yeah, it is what it is. Yeah. Okay, so I, I did a little research about how they did the Predator suit, like how they did the invisibility thing. It's, it's interesting. It's a clever idea. They had, first of all, they had, I think it was Kevin Peter Hall. It might have been somebody else, all, dressed all in red, like a red skin suit, because that would stand out against the green background. Hey, Joe, was they, that Jean-Claude Van Damme? Was that originally when they had... He originally was in it. Yeah. Or they originally had cast him, but I don't think they ever actually shot anything with him. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think they, but they had, they, but he was taught, but John Claude Van Damme was complaining about how hot the suit was, the suit was and everything. So he was in the suit for something. Anyway, so they had, um, I don't think so. When they were actually shooting in the jungle, I believe they had somebody in a, in a red suit and they, um, 
like you know they keyed him out so he was like a hole in the you know in the film and then they shot the same scene but with a different lens with like a like a kind of like a fisheye lens that had like a more more visual range which meant that you could see the same thing that was behind it but it was like zoomed in or like distorted a little bit so it looked like it was supposed to look like it was you know, like the jungle was curving around whatever that was there i think in some parts it looks okay it definitely gets the invisibility portion across really well. It really does do a good job of showing just how hard this predator is to see. But there are just some scenes that, like, they're right to use it very sparingly because it does not look very good. It looks crazy. <laughs> it looks almost like slow motion at times. Yes. Or it's like a guy, like, I don't know, just... No, it looks like kind of kind of screen sheen stuff I have to do in my bedroom. Yeah. Like, it does not look that good. <laughs> yeah, you're trying too hard to, like, kind of figure it out, and then you, you're like, you see it, and then, I mean, I think they did a good job yeah. maybe putting the eyes, you know, that was nice. Okay, the had, yellow you know, eyes no, were no. awesome. That holds there up was, for sure. That's the thing is the the Predator suit looks great mm -hmm. you know it, i mean you don't get a lot of good shots of it it's, most of the time it's not well lit but it looks good and um yeah it's a shame that they don't use that more even though it does make sense to have like to limit how much your monster is seen to make him scarier right um okay i mean anything else about, about this movie besides like the iconicness that you wanted to uh, no, I'm just. I appreciate you guys, you know, picking this movie. It's not, you know, one that is for galaxy brains here. Like to Benjamin's point, it's very surface level. But you know, it is cool to get, you know, throw a, an action movie in there, get your guys' perspective on that. I, mean, I really want it. Again, it's a oh, dream and, to come well, true. And to we be love John McTiernan, you know. Yeah. Um, and and this is if there's anything in there to find, anything galaxy brained in there, we'll find it. You know, that's the point of having this conversation. <laughs> so I don't want to get ahead of ourselves because we might come to something here. But um, yeah, definitely a great choice. Yeah. So what about this movie speaks to you personally? That's a great question, Joey. Uh, for me, Arnold has always held a special place in my heart. Um, yes. I can simultaneously make me laugh and respect him at the same time. Uh, he is timeless, in my opinion. Uh, he will always have, you know, again, that special place in my heart. But it... I just, he's an incredible actor that can also talk the talk and walk the walk. And he's, you know, forever will hold, you know, a, a strong place, at least in, in movie history, um, Hollywood history, you know, in, in that sense. And then um, ultimately it comes from the, you know, inception. I mean, now I've, I've always enjoyed Arnold movies. I haven't been able to watch all of them because being at the age I was growing up, I wasn't allowed to watch those movies. So, wasn't something I had access to. However, you know, always being a big fan of Jingle All the Way, and then coming across in high school the 160 Arnold Schwarzenegger quotes compilation video on YouTube really solidified. Oh, I got to see these, but he's actually hilarious. So that kind of brought me back. You know, personally, I love him. I love his accent. I love mimicking him. I've worked a lot of time to get that. <laughs> I've used that talent outside of that. It makes people laugh. It makes me laugh. So personally, I, I, mean, I just love this movie. It's enough to have it on Blu-ray and be able to watch it multiple times, not have to be, you know, you know, held to a streaming service to have it. Because if you look now, it's not on HBO Max. So those no. of you listening who want to watch this movie again will have to go to YouTube or like me, find a Blu-ray copy for six dollars. So in my opinion, that was worth it. <laughs> Dang, that is worth it, actually. Um, no, it makes a lot of sense. I think, like, um, I I don't know, like, I like I'd be curious to see which 
of Arnold's movies has the most Arnold to other things ratio, but this one is definitely high up there, you know, because <laughs> eventually everybody else gets killed off. It's basically just him, right? Yeah. Uh, for a lot of the movies. So um, I think you're going to, if you want to like watch a movie for the most amount of Arnold per like minute, I, this has got to be up there. That's yeah. Really he's the, he's stoic in this ones. movie. He's, he's strong. You know, you can, you, you root for him. Uh, you know, it, you, you see like as uh, the rest of the commandos die around him, he's again, oh, I am once again reminded that he is the best that there is. Yeah. And, and he, there's a reason why he was, you know, suggested for this. He is the best too. Like when the movie opens up, everybody is so like on his D immediately. Like he walks up and then general <laughs> is just like, you're looking good Dutch, you know? And then he's like, why not use the regular military? Why do you need us? And then Apollo Creed is over there also looking buff. And he's like, because somebody said that you were the best, <laughs> you know? And it's like, dang, these guys like Arnold comes in. He's already just S tier uh, elite commando. And everybody believes in him. And everybody says he's a great, he doesn't have to earn, it he's already there which is how i feel about him coming in you know is it like it (laughs) it meets my expectations immediately nobody is like i don't believe in dutch like dutch can't do it yes he can everybody already knows it (laughs) this definitely happened i mean when it came out and i i had this in my notes here but when this came out this is this catapulted arnold to you know s tier if you will i mean he from this point i mean he got married during this movie and then catapulted him to the main stardom that he is. I still, I mean, maybe he's not making movies like he used to. And again, this is 30 years ago when this is happening, but this is definitely during his heyday. And he was able to extend that into, you know, 20 more years after this movie came out. But, you know, having that power and star power, it just. And he's been saying, he's been saying, get to the chopper every chance. Exactly. <laughs> like, how powerful is that? And again, we already talked about it, but we already know that that quote before you watch the movie. Yeah. Oh, that's Arnold. Yes. Well, I remember that. Yeah. And then now you can, right. you know, just laugh at it when you watch it because it, oh, that's the meme that you're Leo meme. <laughs> All right. So let's try to milk something out of this, right? Uh, what kind of themes are present to you in this movie? What what speaks to you? Okay. It's, so it's all, like deeper in here. Yeah. yeah. For, are, are we going to go a little deeper here? Um, <laughs> so for me, so first of all, let's talk about the jungle. The theme to me is the mystery that it has. I think it still has that. I, I think it's this, we're going to bleed into cons here with the jungle itself, but I think the jungle itself is a character that goes, you know, on, uh, unannounced uh but it makes itself present throughout the whole movie because it it's the whole setting is is within the within the jungle again not having the backstories of everybody else not giving you know any history to the predator all we see is his little pod jump out that's it that's all we need to know and then we have it you know within this time frame i, I think the time frame what is a couple days would you i mean there's a night and day yeah. cycle right um to yeah, like me, two nights uh total. yeah yeah, so it seems like it's all kind of pretty close into that. And then again, with the jungle being as shrouding to everything that it is, provides the perfect, you know, environment for a hunter, a hunter and then you prey, you know, scenario. Um in, you know, providing shroud or providing cover for those who use it the right way. So um I don't know. What do you what did no, you guys definitely. think about the jungle? Did that did that come out to you guys at all? 
I think so. I think the jungle is such an interesting setting, you know, especially to spend the entire movie in it. There's sort of this joke, I guess. I hear it a lot from Red Letter Media when they talk about bad movies. They talk about how um, what the cheapest place to shoot any movie is in the forest because you don't have to get permission and like it just looks mysterious or whatever. And that's what I was thinking about when they were in the jungle. It's like, oh, well, they just went to the jungle, obviously, and they just shot there. But like, you know, shooting a movie in the jungle is not can't be easy. And there's lots of all these horror stories about what kind of hell they, the actors went through while they were like living in the jungle trying to film this movie. But like it's um it's so it's so thick right there's so much you can't see i love the idea that like the predator chose this area could have chosen anywhere on earth right and he chose the this jungle as his hunting ground you know because that would benefit him the most um this idea that like they can't even see more than a few feet in front of him at any given time right there's occasional clearings but most of the time they have no idea what they're about to walk into they're constantly stumbling onto green berets or gorilla encampments or predators, you know, and um, somebody can just get separated for, you know, a minute and then he's dead and they're gone. Right. It, the, the idea that there, he could be the predator could be anywhere around you. You're con- this constant camouflage that's uh, that's completely shrouding you makes it a really compelling place for a horror setting um, without even having to set it in like darkness or anything. Because like that, anytime you use darkness in like a horror movie, it's kind of um, artificial, right? Because a movie has to be well lit. So you have to make sure that the darkness makes sense or has to be in a place that like, oh, we'll just make sure it's at night. You know, it's at night, it's scarier at night. But the jungle allows you to do that without having, while still having it be well lit, right? You can say, oh, I, I, uh, I can't see anything. And yet I can still, you know, the sun's still shining. That makes it more terrifying. Yeah, and I also feel like the jungle is where predators and prey, like that, that dynamic is already happening. Uh, you got to see like a Good little point. bit of a uh, snake of some sort that was out there, which was peanuts to them. Originally, these commandos go into the jungle and they're the predators. They're there to hunt out yes. the gorillas. And I think it's really interesting that we get to see them destroy everybody. And it's like, look at all this carnage that they're causing easily. And then the they flip the script completely. And it's like, now they're the prey. Now they're the completely like helpless, uh, you know, thing that's being hunted by this dominating powerful force and i think the the jungle is a great place to do that uh because at I first perfect at first it's there yeah. there to their advantage that they're sneaking around the jungle and being able to kill everybody without any resistance but then they become the victims in that same scenario yeah it's that element and then the element of just how simple the movie is where it's just go to the jungle and then there's there's a twist where they realize that there's something else in there that's killing them. It's not just the gorillas. Um, and they, both of those things, the simplicity of it and the fact that there's this, uh, you know, people that think they're going to be hunted and then they, or be the hunters and then they turn out to be hunted are both some of the best parts of this this movie. Yeah, um, yeah I think that and that leads me into my kind of one of the other themes that I picked up in this is that, you know, our main characters being... You know, for simplicity, the alien or the predator, and yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to get in that alien versus predator. It is alien. <laughs> I mean, it is predator. Here I go. Predator. The predator is an alien. The predator is an not alien. The alien. Yes, exactly. Not to be confused with <laughs> AVP. Okay. Uh, but the, in in my same opinion, predator. Yes. No, yes, different predator. predator. <laughs> What's that, Joey? Different predator in AVP. 
yes. Yeah. We, spoilers. I, mean, I haven't seen spoilers, it yet. Yes. <laughs> yeah. In this. No, now I'm confused. Well, there's a different predator. Yeah. In AVP, but this predator is still an alien. Right. Not every alien is a xenomorph or whatever it's called from aliens. Stop trying to get. Try to make this clear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's I well, it, it, I guess my my point is one of the themes that I picked up on is our main characters, the predator and we have Dutch are chameleons to their environment. Yes. Physically and mentally as they go through this. So, it's seeing the predator use his technology that is not something that he, the humans that went in there, the commandos went in there with. And again, another here's another con that comes out how ill-equipped they were to battling that. But I mean, who were they to know that that, that was something they're going to come across? They wiped yep. out the gorillas. They did their job, right? Their job was supposed to go in there, in and out business. And then really the people who were going to make it out were the ones who were making the you know adaptable changes, chameleon changes. So I thought that that was good. And you saw that physically again from Predator by his cloaking. And then Arnold finding out that mud conceals me. And utilizing that to his benefit and um i guess along with the chameleon and changing to the environment this is the planning that both of these um apex predators if you will you know worked on each of them decided hey this is how i'm going to approach this is what i'm going to do and um in the end the the most masterful of that technique won and was able to walk out um, of that, so I, you know, I thought that was an interesting theme that came with that, and that kind of bleeds into the warrior codes of um, these both warriors here, um, and and kind of you know decisions made by both um, for individual purposes and for holistic purposes as well. Dutch being, hey, I'm I there's I do a lot of things, but there's some things I just don't do. And I'm not going to do yep. that, or I'm not going to be shady about this. Like it is interesting. I'm Joe. I'm sure you're going to kind of talk about this in the in in more of the political aspects of things here. But uh, how Dutch is like, oh yeah, I'm going to kill a bunch of people, but I'm going to kill you know kill the right way, or this is the the, the effective way, or or well, the way he, he I believe. He just does rescue missions, so yeah. he's not an yeah. assassin. Okay. Yeah. If you have to kill somebody to rescue somebody, then that's fine. But I'm not just going to go there just to kill somebody. Yeah, right. exactly. Yeah. Some people I'm going to, yeah, some people I can save. As long as I can save somebody, then it doesn't count. I'm good. <laughs> you know, I can check that off my, my moral box. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think that the, um, going kind of back to your thing about the chameleons and stuff, I think that um, something I would like to see more of is humans, like the human trait of adaptability, right? I think that's played up pretty well for Dutch. I would have liked to have seen a little bit more from that. They do that thing with the net and everything. Like they, they try a couple of different techniques. They try to adapt to the situation. And in, that, in both the situations, it works out for them. So I would have liked a, more of an emphasis on like, this is like a uniquely human trait that allows us to be, makes us the most dangerous prey, is that we're able to learn from the situation and adapt to it extremely quickly, more quickly than the thing that's hunting us can. 
Um, yes, and that's I, I think, that, that would have made I, yeah. the defeat of the Predator so much more satisfying is if there was some sort of thematic element that was used to build the thing that defeated him. Because we did get yes, to see them building all these traps throughout, but there was nothing about those traps that were inherently good against the Predator or any reason why they did that other than just, <laughs> we got to do something. <laughs> the Predator's coming to kill us. we right. got to try something. That's what makes Dutch, I think, such a great protagonist is he's like the best of us, right? He's, he's got this kind of moral code, but he's also like ex- extremely effective warrior and leader. You know, he's like, he's, he's really strong. He's really smart. He understands what's going on in the situation. He knows how to use all these weapons and how he's got to improvise. And so you want to say like, what's the best human you can think of against like this evil alien, right? And um, I, I think ultimately we kind of get a piece of that, but I would like to have seen more of that emphasized, yeah. I think. Like you could have even used that snake from earlier as like something where like a snake maybe attacks uh i don't know mac or, or or dylan or something and like they end up like it tries to strangle dylan but dylan uses his huge biceps to like twist it and like choke it out and then arnold yeah. will be like like we are the most dangerous like it, it was its own worst enemy for attacking us like <laughs> we would have killed it but it chose to like attack us and like that right. is this theme where it's like they're like humans are the most resilient or you know like you were saying the most dangerous prey that sounds badass to me that actually would be i'm sure there's a line in there somewhere and uh (laughs) that could have for me would have pushed it over the edge for like the way they finally defeat the predator yeah and and again i i want to i I wish there was a little bit more with the predator with like why he killed uh, like i don't need a lot i just need something like why he chose to take off his armor in front of dutch right is that because he saw dutch as a worthy opponent or was it because he was mad? You know, it's not. Re- it's really not clear, like why the predator does that. Beyond the, it makes it easier for him to be killed, <laughs> um, and like when he's collecting the skulls and stuff, like it's, it's clear he's like taking trophies, right? And Anna even says like he's he makes trophies of men or something, right? Um, you know, maybe if he had like we were talking about earlier with Billy, right? Maybe if he had carved something into Billy's skull, but like he was a true warrior, you know, like this one meant something because he stood up to me or or like. And like his his defeat, like uh, was a great sacrifice to me. It only serves to make me the greater hunter. You know, something symbol something symbolizing that um, would have done more for me to establish it as a code, right? To me, it made just as much sense for him to take off the armor for a plot, like to make it easier for him to kill from like a plot perspective, as it did that he was like, like I am. Uh, I am following my warrior code. You know, both of, there's evidence for just as much for both of those things. So it doesn't it doesn't work as well for me as I want it to. I, I want there to be that thing, but I just I just don't see it. Okay, so Gabriel, there's a lot of people that die in this movie. What is your favorite kill in Predator? Yeah, so uh, for me, I, I can't necessarily pick one specific kill. I think I had to rank it within three. It's, it's kind of the whole, what's your favorite band? What's your favorite music? I, you can't really just pick one. It's either... What's your favorite Arnold line? Yeah, exactly. It's, <laughs> that's really hard. It's an almost, I would say it's almost an impossible task to answer that. But in my opinion, <laughs> I've ranked the three top deaths. And we'll start with Blaine. Um, I thought it was really cool for him. This is the first time we experience... Um, Predator's like ranged attack, one of his ranged attacks, where he's able to send this, uh, like you know, rocket, if you will, for simplistic terms, and blows out uh, Blaine's you know chest, and you see this big tough guy, and it's just like that, 
you know, you would think nothing could get through this guy. And then, well, one thing does, and that is something that is not even seen, blows his chest up. So I thought that I was kind of cool. I want to point out that earlier yeah. he said he didn't have time to bleed, and when the predator killed him, it cauterized his wound. So even in death, he didn't bleed. Oh, yeah, I didn't catch that. That's good. That's very good. <laughs> yeah, um, that's true. Yeah. No, that's, that's such a good point. That's such a good point. I didn't even think about that. Everyone dies in like one shot. Like, you know, the only person that's ever survives, well, Poncho survives, and then Arnold gets kind of stunned, but he doesn't die either. Yeah. But like, yeah, everyone else is like, they, there's like, you know, boom, they're dead. Boom, they're dead. Yeah. Yeah. And then, well, and then second, and this kind of goes into, you know, Dylan, you know, he had... I mean, I think they gave him a little bit more credit being the name actor that he is. Um, but it was cool to see Dylan lose his arm. I mean, because oh, originally yeah. it was, it was interesting. I don't know if this was, you know, went along with the continuity of the movie, but he first picks up two MP5s and starts walking with those. And then he puts one down, but then he has it again. And that's when one arm comes off and it's still shooting, right? And it's yes. on the ground. So that was a cool scene, right? Where it's just like a floppy arm that's like still like shooting on there. And it, it reminds me kind of of Jurassic Park. I think they might have borrowed that uh, from Jurassic Park when the, the same arm. Yeah, like kind of. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, the other one just had like a striped sleeve. I think from what I remember. I remember that haunting me when I was little. So that's why it's still you know, in my mind. But that was a that was a cool scene, you know, to see him eventually die. Um, and the way he kind of built up to that, you're like, wow, that was that was pretty incredible. So um, again, that was a second. I, I almost would have been my first, but. Um, or the top one, but for me, I think, in my opinion, the Predator's death was the most epic death in the movie, only because it Mm. took so long to get there. We wanted him to die as the audience, because we want the good guys to win, if you're, you know, not cynical. So, uh, that was, you know, it it took a long time. I would say it was the best death, as in sexy, but it definitely was the best that he just, just blew himself up and then created a mushroom cloud and then laid the framework for the movie to end similar to commando where the helicopter gets there and who's only left it's Dutch or Arnold. And I was just really waiting for him to just give that line, you know, them asking him, Hey, did you leave anything left for us? And his response would be only bodies, you know? (laughs) So I was really hoping for something in that, in that case, but it just, you know, kind of on the same, Framework. Yeah, no, definitely. I, I mean, the predator laughing, and then like just like being like, "You thought you won, but I have one last trick up my sleeve." You know, uh, it's a, uh, it's creepy. Yeah, they're all they're constantly really always showing... one upping each other, right? In that final yes. battle. Yes. What about you, Joey? What is your favorite kill? Uh, I gotta go with Dylan with Carl Weathers, just because his the arm falling off is a classic uh, motif. Classic running joke in Arrested Development, um, where there's like <laughs> there's a, there's a there's a motif in that show where people lose limbs, and Carl Weathers plays himself in that show. And every time they introduce him, reintroduce him, they show that scene from Predator <laughs> where he loses his arm and the gun's shooting on the ground. It's hysterical. Um, no, it's awesome because it's just like like it's so devastating. First, like he kills Mac with like he's like you see the little laser right come onto Mac's head, and Mac's like, "What was that?" And then he's he's dead. And then you think, oh, Dylan's screwed. You go out there, and then, yeah, his arm just gets ripped right off, and it's shooting on the ground. You're like, oh, my gosh. Brutal. Oh, my gosh. It, like, lingers on it for so long that you're just like, oh, I can't believe it. And then he gets killed. Yeah, it's, um, it's amazing. Uh, I think that's probably my favorite one. 
I think my favorite, it's like a dark horse favorite uh, because it's not even one of the commandos that dies. It's one of the gorillas that dies during the ambush. And it's when Arnold throws the knife into him and pins him to the wall and he goes, stick around. <laughs> Stick <laughs> Amazing line. Amazing. Dead, yeah. Classic. And he gets that knife back, I guess, or because he uses it to fight later on, right? <laughs> yeah. And and to sharpen things. So I guess he gets that back. And then I guess the next one after that was the knock knock. And then sends the yeah. Russian guy through the wall. <laughs> that was good too. Amazing. Uh which leads me to my next question, which is Gabriel, what is your favorite line in the movie? Ah, <sighs> there's there's a lot of them, but specifically it's this one. What's the matter? The CIA got you pushing too many pencils? Huh? <laughs> I love it. I love the way he says, huh? <laughs> it's like the extra knife. In the- oh, it's so funny. <laughs> it's so good. You, I mean, that's what you immediately you're like, okay, these guys are tough, okay? Yeah. Listening, yep. strong. Grip, I mean, impromptu that, to me arm now, right? wrestling, like without even like Mid-air. saying anything. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that is a great line. That's a, such a good one. I um, I mean, that that's definitely one of the top lines. I mean, th- my favorite line in the movie is actually this one. What the hell do you think you're doing? You're gonna need everyone. I'm taking her back. We're out of here in five minutes. You're not going yet. Look, the rendezvous is 10 to 12 miles away from here. You think the chopper's going to wait? Dylan, we make a stand now where there would be nobody left to go to the chopper. There is something else. When the big man was killed, you must have wanted it. Its blood was on the leaves. If it bleeds, we can kill it. Such a good line. So iconic. And also kind of inspirational because whenever I'm up against like incredible odds in my personal life, whether it's something at work or I'm taking on a really tough opponent in Madden or anything. Or you're having to kill Superman. <laughs> sure. It's you see a little bit <laughs> Do of you bleed. You see a little bit of progress. <laughs> All right. Um, you see a little bit of progress, and then you can latch onto that and build from that. You know, um, if it bleeds, we can kill it. And uh, I, right. I, I mean, it's a badass line, but it honestly, unironically, is something that I look to for inspiration. It's good stuff. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know what my favorite line is. I think. I mean, it's got to be. One ugly motherfucker. It's, I mean, it's so good, right? I mean, like, it's what we're all thinking. Yes. It's, it's really what I was thinking yes. when I first saw the Predator take his... I'm like, oh, and Arnold's like, yeah, this guy's ugly. Oh, <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. It's, it's, this movie's uh, full of them. There's, there's not that much dialogue in this movie, but the, there are a few pretty iconic lines uh, from Arnold in here. Um, so, uh, Gabriel, does this movie hold up to modern action movies, in your opinion? Uh, I think it'll always have that special place because it's an 80s action flick and one of the most iconic ones. Um, when you compare it to modern day, it'll fall short because it, it has the visual, it, visual effects and special effects that were current to the time. So in that comparison, no, it doesn't, it doesn't hold up to today's standards. But... I think it'll always have its own special place because of the epicenter of the series and trilogies and, uh, you know, lore that comes from just, you know, 
the epicenter of, of Predator itself. It, they didn't do anything prior in any history. It all came from writers that shifted their approach from a, you know, not involving an alien species to involving an alien species. So I, I thought that was kind of interesting, but really to answer that question, no, it does. It doesn't hold up. Um, where it makes up for that is in the, uh, you know, the explosions that still hold on. We can, we kind of touched on that already where <laughs> oh, yeah. it's the, the, the explosions are great. The shooting aspects of things, the, the weaponry um, was great. Um, I, you know, I also kind of liked uh, how the, I guess the wardrobe that they had as well was, you know, I, I it's our dad, our, our parents were in the military at the time. Um, so we've seen that they've had these type of, you know, clothing that was on there as well. So again, I liked it. Um, it'll always have a special place in my heart. I don't know if everyone would agree that this holds up because people will demand more visual, you know, more visual and, and, uh, a digital experience that comes with that. It adds a little bit more, um, uh, abilities to a movie when it happens, but, um, I still think it will hold up if you stack it up to all the action movies over time not necessarily comparing it to today's modern standards. I mean, it's definitely cemented itself as a classic. There's a lot of, like, when it first came out, it didn't, like, people didn't really like it. But, like, um, uh, Metacritic says that we use a bunch of contemporary reviews from when the movie came out, and it gave it, like, a 45 out of 100. But on Rotten Tomatoes, which factored in retrospective, like, retrospective opinions, stuff from, like, today, it's closer to 82% of you know of the 49 uh, surveyed critics at least according to wikipedia at the time this was written so like it it started it kind of has grown in its legacy over time and i i I think there are lessons from predator that any good any person who's writing a horror movie or an action movie um should take away the simplicity of it right like making your characters like um interesting but not having but not necessarily having to base them any more than on a cliche. I think that works pretty well. That's something that I wish I saw who had more from, but it works well enough for the movie. Um, and then having like a cool villain and um, that doesn't necessarily have to be a well-motivated, right? He just has to look cool and you have to understand that he's the antagonist. All of those things like are enough to make a movie that people will remember and people will like. Um, John McTiernan said he wanted to make this movie for the 14-year-old in him, and I think 14-year-olds all over the world love Predator. You know, um, I think where it falls down on is the execution of the action, right? It doesn't give you that, that nice hand-to-hand combat, that really well-choreographed action stuff that we've gotten for Marvel for the last 12 years, right? Um, 14 years, even. The, that stuff, we're spoiled on, but in this movie doesn't quite have that. But from a framework perspective, I think Predator holds up extremely well. I think it should be used as a model for how people want to make action movies like it in the future. Yeah, I think there's something almost tactile about the action in this movie where it just feels very real. You got a bunch of guys who are very clearly built and buff in real life. Right. They're not wearing a costume that makes them look like superhumans. They just are. And um, I, I think there's a, a certain like grittiness and toughness and and just realism like yeah the special effects aren't as good but a lot of the stuff that just is practical still looks fine um and and a lot of that macho stuff i mean you can still find 
um, like sleek looking macho guys in, in modern action films. But there's just something about that 80s kind of grit that I think is timeless. I get, or it will last forever and always be so 80s. I mean, we you wrote about it in the synopsis where you said, the whole burly group heroically shoots blindly into the thick trees. But like, honestly, I thought that was so badass. Like, it, it kind of felt stupid because... They didn't know what they're shooting at, but they all just come out there and just unload. And there's just nothing like that. Like it, it, it just was badass. So um, even though it, it won't have like Arnold jumping from a skyscraper on a Ferrari, like with explosions in the background and like massive CGI and like skydiving to like rip the predators to, like uh, head off, you can still have a very satisfying amount of action in in that's something a little bit less extreme so you know what's um, funny benjamin is that that scene of them just shooting you know aimlessly into the bush if you will reminds me of our video we made in high school of guns guns and more guns where we're just (laughs) the scene of us just shooting at the bad guys it's actually that is it's really i'm glad you brought that up because thinking back to what inspired me to make home videos as a kid because i started getting into a little bit of special effects especially doing um the muzzle flash on our airsoft guns to make it look like we were really shooting guns and for making a movie for the 14 year old in him that's exactly what we wanted was just to be able to shoot guns in a movie yes and uh that's exactly what they do in a lot of this movie and especially that scene where they're destroying the the uh the forest so yeah exactly within in in the inclusion of the the rail gun that they use like how unnecessary that is there's so (laughs) many bullets that are expended that that. through the jungle yeah Oh, yeah. it's so no, oh, like that's so interesting because there's okay. So what? Uh, our biggest fan, Kyle, um, uh, Affable Chat's biggest fan. He told he showed me about this thing. I think it's called IMFDB or something like that. Internet. Yes, the Internet Movie Firearms Firearms Database, which catalogs every gun in every movie, and they have an extensive list for Predator. It's fascinating. That's it's awesome. so interesting. To, wow, that is to cool. Read through. John McTiernan, in, a, in an interview 30 years later, like on a retrospective on this movie, said that the, he invented a bunch of guns for this movie because he wanted to do stuff that real guns didn't do. And he said that the military took that and made them real, um, <laughs> which I don't know. I couldn't find any evidence that like, the military used Predator as an example for making new guns. But it's certainly <laughs> true that he made guns that didn't exist before, and now those guns do exist. So <laughs> so why do you need us? Why can't you use the regular military? Because John McTiernan <laughs> wanted to create new guns. <laughs> That's right. But that, that minigun um, that he's looking around, it has a specific name, and there, there's like this whole debate online about whether it's a micro gun X, some FM, something or other, or a different one, but it's very clearly not that one. It's very clearly a different one. I don't know. It's old anyway, painless, they, right? Isn't that the name he yeah. gave it? It actually is spinning at a quarter speed because when it was spinning at full speed, first of all, they would run out of any, like <laughs> Blaine could only carry two seconds of ammunition <laughs> if it was running at full speed. Yeah. And, uh, and he would covered, like covered in dispelled rounds, like in a, like up to his knees. Um, but it also wouldn't appear on the, on the camera when they were filming it. If it spun at full speed, it wouldn't even look like it was spinning. So they had to spin it at, at quarter speed so that it looked like it was actually spinning A little bit fast. of visual effects, movie magic. Yeah. yeah. 
No, I mean, have you ever heard one of those guns get fired? It sounds like someone's farting. It's just because <gasps> it's so. There's no in between. Just spitting the bullets. out bullets. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. just uh, like yeah, completely emptying the rounds. Yeah. That is. But I didn't even think about that. That is really interesting. I wanted to share with you guys. I recently, ever just just watching the the pig attack moment just how that was very 80s there's two things that were very 80s to me in this movie and one of them was the falling you know aspects yes you have guys like you falling from go ahead (laughs) yeah yeah like the dummy falling from the every it's all just like you get that pan down of just the body you fall ah you know like falling (laughs) and then that happened multiple times arnold dutch hat that happened twice you know in In a row you know, and then you had the gorillas, they fell too. So I thought that was pretty 80s style. And then when, when you know, when building the tension where at night and then there's only like, I, you, you gotta be a really stupid audience member to think that now is, is going to be a, a climax where, you know, you know, um, Mac is going to get attacked. But I just thought it was funny that he did the slasher, you know, you know, where it's just like slowed down and reused the same, you know, footage of him attacking the, the hog, and then they just made fun of him, like you, you idiot. It's, it's a hog. <laughs> yeah, what do you think that was? The thing that's been hunting yeah, us? Exactly. Oh, <laughs> you got him. All right, let's go home. You know. <laughs> I just thought that was funny. I just had to pause, and then because you can, you just see the slow motion attack. We don't have to put that in there, but I just thought that was kind of. I just wanted. I was like, this is funny watching. Yeah. You watch. You need. To, you stare at the screen so much for every detail, and then you just that just came up. And also, one last thing is when um, our, uh, when Dutch is like climbing up the tree and he's watching and he's looking down and then that's and when the predator starts making a move then he does the the swing and then slaps into the tree and he's just like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, he just holds it and like, looks you know he's like still can't like see. hope you didn't hear me can't see me <laughs> yeah it was awesome yeah uh Okay. All right. I guess in the real yeah. short, real short. All right. I, and it's not going to go anywhere. So, try, <laughs> all right. So, the question I want to ask is Is this movie about American imperialism? So, the reason why I want to ask this question is because there is like a lot of stuff about the military and the CIA and stuff. And John McTiernan, like a week after we came out with our Die Hard episode, did this weird vlog in his house where he talked about how Die Hard was actually about like distrusting the FBI and about like how it was really like this social commentary about how the, the, about like uh, the, the necessary nature of a labor movement in the United States, which we didn't really get when we were watching the movie. Um, but uh, it's something that he said he always intended. So I was wondering if there was something deeper in predator because it came out a year before Die Hard. Um, but as far as I can tell, no. Um, so before the predator is properly introduced, there's this whole fake plot in the works, right? The commandos are in the jungle for a very specific mission, but that mission turns out to be a lie fed to them by the evil CIA. Lots of people die, and it's not really clear whether they deserved it or not, the the gorillas, I mean. Dutch is certainly mad at Dylan for lying to him, but Dutch also went forward and killed all those people despite that, you know? So what exactly is this movie trying to tell us? Not to trust the CIA, or maybe that the U.S can just sweep into areas it doesn't belong for any reason and do whatever it likes. I mean, both of those things are true, things that I believe, but it's not really anything. It's not like a pattern or even really a mistake. Because it's all, it's, all it is is just kind of inconsequential. It's all just sort of set up for our characters to get into the Predator's territory. And I think this kind of ties into what we were talking about earlier about like uh, establishing these guys as the dominant 
military force in the region, right? The true predators until the predator arrives, right? It's just kind of establishing their power level so that when they, it proves that they can wreck shop and that they're really capable, but then um, something else comes into play and uh, something more powerful than them, and that's what uproots the whole thing. So, yeah, I'll, I'll, I mean, I, I looked at this, I said, hey, is there anything there? I'm going to say no. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with there's nothing, there's nothing more to this movie beyond uh, making the, these guys turn out as badass as possible. Yeah, I think it really just ties back to that quintessential quote from Liam Neeson's Qui-Gon Jinn, where he says, there's always a bigger fish. And uh, in this case, it was the predator. That was the bigger fish. That's right. He was not a fish, but he was bigger. Yeah. He was, you, know, you might think you're the most powerful thing in the jungle until the next biggest thing comes around, and then, then it's big. So That's right. So is, it, is this movie about uh, American imperialism? Is it about Star Wars Episode One? Uh, I think not enough evidence to know for sure. You should uh, write, us, write in and tell us why we're wrong. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but with that, we are going to head to a break. Uh, but stick around, because when we get back, we're going to be going over our cool Easter eggs and delivering our ratings. So stick with us. Hi, this is Arnold Schwarzenegger. This is DJ Jones, nose tackle for the San Francisco 49ers. This is Squilliam Fancy Son from Band Class. And you're listening to Affable Chat. My favorite podcast. Good day. I'm an Australian wildlife expert. When I'm out in the outback, I love listening to Affable Chat. It's the best podcast ever. Even the animals love it too. This is Corey Novotny. This is Donnie Dolphin. Oh, it's me, Danny Zuko from Greek. This is Ghislaine Maxwell, and you're listening to Affable Chat. And we're back with Gabriel talking about Predator. And now we're going to talk about our cool Easter eggs. Gabriel, what you got? Yeah, I've got, I've got two of them for you guys. Um, the first one was Arnold was 39 years old and got married during the filming of this movie. <laughs> yes. Like I, so I read about this too. He like went, he like left the production and then got married, had a three-day honeymoon, and then came back to finish filming the movie. Like it was scheduled right in the middle of it. It's, it, it's crazy. <laughs> Yeah, it was a high, like a high-profile wedding, right? Yes, yes. First marriage. First marriage at thirty-nine. Wow. Very high-profile, you know, wedding too. Right. Yeah, just during the production of the movie, just like right in the middle of it. You know, you know, you have star power when you can work that out, and the the production works around you. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I mean, you. I also. Maybe not the best time management skills. <laughs> You're going to have this in the middle of a... I don't know. I'm sure he was making a ton of movies. Like, this just happened to be the one he was in the middle of, right? Like, I, I, I don't know. I have no idea. But I assume something along those lines. Yeah. yeah. But you get to choose when you get married. Right. You know? <laughs> <laughs> who cares? It's this brother there. Man, who cares? I'm getting married. I'm going to marry the be- most beautiful woman in the world. <laughs> okay and then the uh should i go and share my other one yeah go ahead yes okay yeah so the the second one i have for you guys is um the choppa pilot at the end of the movie timestamp one forty one twelve, is played by the actor kevin peter hall 
Um, he was given this cameo reward for from the director uh, from all for all his hard work in the suit that had no air conditioning, nothing. So um, you know, it worked really well, and, and we all can admit that that it was a, a lot more lifelike. It wasn't CG, so we had a human his human you know characteristics of it that made it more relatable, and uh, I thought that was. That was fair and very nice of the director to give him a little bit of on-screen time without the makeup and suit sweaty suit on. Yeah, well, we're going off of that. So normally, I don't really care about like, oh, this this actor was almost cast as this person. That's never interesting. Will to me. Smith was, was almost Neo in the Matrix. I know. Like, I, I don't <laughs> care. I really don't care. Um, <laughs> but this one really caught my attention. I think it's hysterical. So Jean-Claude Van Damme was originally cast as a predator with the intent that the physical action star would use his martial arts skills to make the predator an agile ninja-like hunter. But when the 5'9 Van Damme was compared to Schwarzenegger, Weathers, and Ventura, actors over six feet tall and known for their bodybuilding regimens, it became apparent a more physically imposing man was needed to make the creature appear threatening. Additionally, it was reported that Van Damme constantly complained about the monster suit being too hot and causing him to pass out. <laughs> like, oh, what a little bitch John claude Van Damme is. He's only 5'9". It's so funny that he's the one that's still be like, out. I passed out in the suit. Like, nobody acknowledged him. <laughs> yeah, like, oh, you're such a He's weak out thing. and dead, and they're like, oh. Come on, John, get back you're up. You're so lazy, John. <laughs> Anyway, I think it's hysterical. Uh, which, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll tie into some of my other uh, other ones in a bit. But I also wanted to mention that following the release of Rocky IV, a joke circulated in Hollywood that since Rocky Balboa had run out of earthly opponents, he would have to fight an alien in a fifth film um, if it was ever made. And the screenwriters Jim and John Thomas, who wrote Predator, took that inspiration from that joke and wrote this this screenplay play based on it. And there was actually some more revisions afterward because Arnold actually insisted that he have a whole crew and it not just be him against the alien. He thought that made it more believable. You mean like an expendable uh, I, crew? That's right. Which, um, uh, you know, I think it does the movie well. I think that the, the crew is some of the best parts of it. So that was a good move on Arnold's part. And um, But no, it's, it's funny that they, uh, they were like, this is originally a Rocky movie. <laughs> um, I right, talked about this for a little bit. So I have this. Okay. I, I found this clip. I think it's from a behind the scenes, um, um, like a featurette. It's an interview between Ar- with Arnold and an interview with Jesse Ventura, who plays Blaine. Um, and it is one of the funniest things I've ever heard. And I'm going to play it for you guys right now. The biggest thrill for me was when we hit wardrobe. And I happened to view Arnold's wardrobe tape. And when my arms taped out one inch bigger than Mr. Olympia's, that made Jesse Ventura feel pretty good. Well, I'm very happy about that because then my joke worked. Because I told the wardrobe department they should tell him that. So I can bet him a bottle of champagne afterwards when he comes to the gym. He came to the gym two days later and he says, you know something, Arnold? We should measure our arms. Who has bigger arms? I said, of course we should. I said, let's bet a bottle of champagne. He says, of course we should. And then we measured it and my arm was three inches bigger than his. What the f- and he lost a bottle of champagne. So, I mean, you know, the psychotric trips, uh, they work on everybody, and bodybuilders, and also on wrestlers. It was good. <laughs> so, yeah, so if you didn't catch that, uh, Jesse Ventura went to the wardrobe department. He said he, they, they told him that his arms were one inch bigger than Arnold's. So then he went to Arnold and said, Arnold, let's have a contest to see who has bigger arms. And Arnold says, of course we should. We should bet a bottle of champagne on it. 
and it turns out that Arnold's arms are three inches bigger than Jesse's. <laughs> and he told the, the wardrobe department to tell them that just so that he could scam Jesse Ventura out of a, uh, a bottle of champagne. <laughs> you know what's even more amazing about that clip? Both of those men were U.S. Senate, US governors <laughs> of states. <laughs> wow. Uh, yes. Where was G- anyway. Ventura the governor? He's obviously uh, governor of Minnesota, Minnesota. between, uh, I think, in 1993, I think, 1997. Okay, because obviously Arnold Schwarzenegger became the governor of California. Of California. And, uh, yeah. But yeah, I didn't know that about Jesse Ventura. Amazing, right? The, this is the, this is, like, if we, you didn't believe we were living in a society of the spectacle, uh, these two bodybuilding guys who once bet each other who had bigger arms <laughs> were both ran entire states. <laughs> And okay, Jesse anyway. Jesse Ventura was a, you know a professional wrestler, so you can yes. even get that from his like his interview, like oh and Jesse, oh I like that, you know like <laughs> his yeah, like wrestler like persona kind of comes out. Yeah, but he talks in third person. This Sunday. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so so this whole bodybuilding thing was like a whole thing on set. It was like this is like the story behind the production. Really, was that these guys were all competing to see who had the bigger arms and and who was like the biggest guy. So Schwarzenegger went as far as to ship an entire fucking gym to Mexico and would randomly grab members of the crew to work out with him when he invariably couldn't find another member of the cast. While you think the random members of the crew would appreciate having a chance to work out with Mr. Uh, Olympia, uh, we should we should mention that Schwarzenegger would make people wake up five wake up at five a.m. and spent most of the gym session calling them names. Wow. <laughs> so, it, like, and and this was the thing: they would all wake up at five a.m. and they would work out together, and uh, like, so they would like, keep up their physique throughout this um, entire shoot. And uh, but they would get into these competitions where they would just not leave the gym. They're like, "Oh, you're gonna leave before me? You're so much weaker than me. Like, I'm just gonna stay <laughs> until you leave." But but even worse than that was Carl Weathers. Carl Weathers would wake up at 3 a.m. and work out before everyone else would, just so that he could go to the gym and be like, oh, you guys are going to work out today? I think I'm going to skip today. I'm already good. And just flex on them, <laughs> literally flex on them, acting like he didn't need to work out. Natural. <laughs> wow. All natural. I know. Uh, it's like the most toxic masculine thing I can imagine, <laughs> but like not in a way that like disparages women, just like in like, oh, we're going to pretend we're the manliest men to, to ever man. Uh, some people think that the the term manly man came from the production of Predator. Um, so anyway, uh, Carl Weathers is over there stories. hallucinating from sleep deprivation. He's like, "Yeah, I'm fine now. I don't need the gym. I'm I'm good. <laughs> exactly. like, All natural, exactly. baby. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's so funny. What and was Joe, that? Like he's, I don't know. He's he... actually seeing the Predator out. In the... Are we shooting that today? <laughs> What's that? There's a shimmer. <laughs> Dude, I don't know if you saw in your research too that the um, uh, they all were suffering from like diarrhea too. Yes. Uh, so they all had um. um yes, what, it's called it? uh, Montezuma's, Montezuma's Revenge. Revenge. Yeah. So that's right. Like, <laughs> apparently, if you see that, how are you supposed to know what that means, right? No. Well, actually, it's like a very famous thing that like if you go to Mexico and get diarrhea, it's called Montezuma's <laughs> Revenge. And like yes. Gabriel, you and I are going to Mexico later this year, and. Watch out, because I've had Montezuma's <laughs> Revenge before. I went to Mexico for two weeks, and one of those days I was completely out of commission. Um, oh, and it's just okay. like, I mean, that happens when you travel. But there's this interesting little blurb in uh, Wikipedia where they said both John McTiernan and Arnold Schwarzenegger lost 25 pounds during the film. Schwarzenegger's weight loss was 
a professional choice, while McTiernan lost the weight because he avoided the food in Mexico due to health problems. And uh, unlike McTiernan, most of the cast and crew suffered from Montezuma's revenge since the Mexican hotel in which they were living in had problems with its water purification. And uh, that's definitely, yeah, definitely the case. Don't drink the water down there. Um, just, yeah. yeah. I know. Uh, McTiernan sounds like a kook until you read the next sentence in that paragraph. <laughs> yeah. He's like, yeah. oh, he's just like for health concerns. Like, oh, he's too snobby to eat the food. It was like, but and everyone else was shitting their brains yes. out the entire time. So he's like, you know what? I think it's worth it. I'll just, I just won't eat anything. It's fine. <laughs> anyway, uh, fascinating uh, production stories from Predator. Whenever a movie like this, like, like years and years later, right? It, all these these funny and hilarious, like and weird stories about how the production went. Um, you know, it's, it's probably true for most movies, uh, but especially ones that are like filmed in such a weird location, like the middle of Mexico, where they were doing this in the middle of the jungle. Um, and uh, it, like when it has all of this, like um, you know, history, and it beca- becomes one of these classic movies. All these like production stories become legendary. Um, so, yeah, uh, always looking for stuff like that for movies like this. Okay, well, that is going to wrap up our cool Easter eggs. And now let's move on to our quotable moments. And, uh, Gabriel, you have our first one. Do you have anything you want to preface it with? Uh, not necessarily. I think this quote is going to be pretty substantial in, in building of the conflict and in, in, in understanding what type of situation the characters are in now. If you didn't already know from the beginning and any type of clues that were given to the uh, audience, Um, but this is kind of solidifying what the problem is. What happened? I saw it. You saw what? I saw it. Pain. No powder burns. No shrapnel. The wounds all fused, cauterized. What the hell could have done this to a man? Mac. Mac, look at me. Who did this? I don't know, goddamn. I saw something. Not a thing. Not a fucking trace. No blood, no bodies. We hit nothing. There you have it. You have the realization from the team that is... This is bigger than what this is. We we've bitten off more than we can chew right now. Um, whether we like it or not, we are now we're now in the shit. And I thought this was a good quote to kind of signal, you know, share that with the audience. The characters are now at the realization that things have changed. The game has changed, and this isn't something we've been prepared for. Yeah, I um I really like the way that Mac. I mean, the uh, what's Mac say? Um, uh actor's name um he's uh he he does such a good job in like showing the terror in this scene and just like he's distracted right he doesn't know what's going on um dutch keeps having to like snap his fingers on his face be like merrick merrick look at me um and he's like <laughs> that's my terrible arnold impression. um and and they um and, and yet like there's, there's yeah I, I mean this also is right after they were doing all that blasting into the woods um and yeah to come up with the realization that there was nothing that they, they did all of that and it was for no reason um it just kind of adds that terror it, it ramps it up to this point um and then now they have to start solving the problem this is where the movie 
really starts in a way. And it's also interesting just to bring up while we're talking about them blasting into the woods, because later on when the predator is hunting Arnold in the final conflict, there's a moment where it thinks it knows where he is and it starts relentlessly blasting into the woods. It's actually what causes Arnold to like fall into the water, but it's a very similar kind of sequence where it's just, oh, I got a glimpse of it. Let me just unload. And uh, it's just another example of the predator not being so different from them. Yeah, maybe we're not so different, you and I. Yeah. Maybe we're not so... Except you're, you're much maybe uglier. Maybe you're the predator. Maybe you're the predator and I'm the prey, predator. <laughs> um, all right, and I think you had another quote for us, Gabriel? Yeah, this one uh, basically is the, the characters finding out, okay, they're going to be able to get this. You know, How are they going to get out of this scenario? So we, we the original or the first quote was, them identifying the problem. And then the second one is, okay, with the realization of what the problem is, we need to do something to uh, fix that or get ourselves out of this. So uh, I thought this was important as well. Um, not only that is, we also get the first appearance of Choppa, which is, again, the, the iconic quote. Um, again, not <laughs> even in the first one. This is just Arnold just, <laughs> this is just, Arnold just saying the word Chopper. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he's just saying Chopper with his accent. And uh, I thought that was kind of important also to include it. Anna, this thing is hunting us. All of us. You know that. What the hell do you think you're doing? You're going to need everyone. I'm taking her back. We're out of here in five minutes. You're not going yet. Look, the rendezvous is 10 to 12 miles away from here. You think the chopper's going to wait? Dylan, we make a stand now, or there would be nobody left to go to the chopper. There is something else. When the big man was killed, you must have wounded it. Its blood was on the leaves. If it bleeds, we can kill it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there it is. So now we know, again, if, if you're a... Uh, audience member, okay. The, there's the plan. If it bleeds, we can kill it. Now we've got we've got the uh, chink in the armor, if you will, where maybe there might be hope after all for our uh, our commandos. Yeah, and at this point, like the situation has changed so much that they even let Anna loose, right? Because she might be able to help. She may be able to uh, do something, and it turns out she can. She noticed something that nobody else did. She recognizes that she's in trouble, just like. Uh, the rest of them are and is willing to pull out that information. Um, it stops being guerrilla, the, the petty differences between man becomes like a battle for survival. Good stuff. Okay. Well, I think that is going to wrap up our conversation on Predator. And as we do at the end of every episode of Apple Chat, we will now deliver our ratings. Gabriel, what rating do you want to give to this movie? Yeah, for me, I felt like it was worthy of three human skull trophies out of eight. And that is no slight to the quality of this movie. It's more of a slight to Predator for uh, not being able to finish the job that he set himself out for. (laughs) Score one humans, score zero for aliens. Well, three at least. Or three, yeah. 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 Well, we we won at the end because he died, but, you know, yeah. He He got a little bit... That kept him, you know, going, but I still think he could have done a better job. And what a but poor sport to not let Arnold at least keep his skull. He had to self-destruct yeah. so Arnold gets no trophies. Yeah, exactly. That is poor sportsmanship, for sure. 
Yeah, he. I, I mean, it, I wouldn't say it's the most noble of deaths, right? They just self self destruct himself instead of letting him be the trophy. But you know, it's like if I can't get your trophy, no one gets my trophy. That's right. And kills himself. All right. What about you, Joey? What rating you want to give to Predator? Um, I give this movie a few thousand rounds and a few grenades. Uh, propelled into what is ultimately empty jungle. <laughs> <laughs> How heroic of you. Um, That's right. And uh, for my rating, I want to give this movie a copy of Archie versus Predator, which is an actual comic <laughs> book that I purchased back in 2016. <laughs> and it's an actual Predator, like from this movie, and Archie from Archie Comics crossover where the predator comes to Riverdale and murders everybody. That's <laughs> it's amazing. It's a real book. It's, it is actually amazing. Um, Wait, is it part of the Archie canon? Well, you know how Archie is. It's non-serial, so oh, Riverdale okay, yeah. resets every issue. So does, and, does, uh, does Archie kill the predator, or does he get killed too? Uh, you have to read it to find out. But oh, it is wow. uh, No spoilers here. It definitely kills a lot of characters. <laughs> like it is unbelievably brutal, and uh, and then yeah, but it it so I I liked it, and it, I remembered while I was watching this, I was like, that's why I know that's where I know the Predator from because I haven't seen any of the other movies. <laughs> the only experience You've I had the Archie comic? is Archie versus Predator. <laughs> so oh my god, there you go. That's my rating. <laughs> And um, so there, there we have it, our discussion about Predator. Gabriel, thank you so much for suggesting this movie and for coming on Apple Chat to talk about it with us. Where can people find you on the internet? Yeah, uh, once again, thanks for having me, guys. Um, you can find me on most social media outlets, but what I want you to find me on is my YouTube channel, Carl Gear, where I host a uh, gear and outdoor review channel. Um, I also... Uh, have the an Instagram account that kind of pairs with that uh, for all my gear and current adventures that are going on. So it's more of a um, timelier um, outlet. And then uh, stay tuned for the next episode of Dad Rock 103, uh, available on most podcast apps. All right. Well, thank you so much again, Gabriel, for joining us in Affable Chat. Joey, what is next on Affable Chat? We're going to kick off the Cornetta trilogy with Sean of the Dead. Yes, very exciting. I uh, it's a it's a highly regarded trilogy, and I've never really watched them all together. So I'm uh, I'm excited to get started on that. But for now, you can subscribe to us on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like this podcast, then tell your friends about it. All you have to say is, have you considered listening to Affable Chat? You can reach us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Affable Chat, or send us an email, affablechat at gmail.com. We also, just like Carl Gear, have a YouTube channel. It's called Affable Chat, not Carl Gear. That's, that's his channel. <laughs> Check them both channel. And yes. uh, Affable Chat is live on Tuesday nights at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on Twitch. That's twitch.tv slash Affable Chat. That's going to do it for this episode. For Affable Chat, I'm Benjamin. And I'm Joey. Thanks for listening.